Please do turn with me this morning to 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. I'm going to read two verses that will be the focus of our thinking this morning. We've read them already, but it's always good to come back to the Word of God and base all our thinking on God's Word. 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. I'm going to ask a question this morning. Where are our eyes? 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them, the enemies of God, and spiritually our enemies? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And then the victory down here in verse 20. And they arose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. So, shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Where are your eyes this morning? I don't mean where on your head, but where are you looking? We've been in John chapter 17, but deliberately, intentionally, I want to take one Sunday morning and try to encourage us and to help somebody here this morning. Where have you been looking up until today? Where is your gaze? Where are you looking for help? When you go to school tomorrow, to a new class, if you start a new job as a teacher, teaching a new class, as you go back to work after holidays, where are you looking? You need help. I need help. None of us can live through this life without the help of God. If you try, you are foolish. Where will you look for help? Is there a teenager this morning? You'll be looking for a new set of friends in your new school. Who will you look to for help? Who will be your guide? Who will show you what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil? Where will your eyes be tomorrow morning and even today? Well, that's our subject this morning. Go back to verse 12. We have no might. There's many enemies. This is a history lesson in a sense, but I don't want it to be that. These things are here written for our learning. They're recorded because what happened those thousand years ago in the time of King Jehoshaphat it's repeated again and again. There's nothing new under the sun. What happened for him in this remarkable account 
can happen for you today. God can come to you. He can come to your help in time of need when you have enemies around you. You don't even know the enemies of tomorrow. And the Lord can come. And we can say and we must say this morning, we have no might. If you think you're powerful, when Satan comes and tempts you tomorrow morning, you are a fool. What's he going to say to you? I can't cope. I've got no friends. I can't do this job. I can't look after my elderly relative. In my care home this morning, nobody cares. When Satan tempts me to despair, where will you look? Well, let me tell you the context this morning. We don't just go and take a text and grab it out of context. We need to know what it means for us. This is an allegory. It's a picture. It's history, but it's full of spiritual lessons. Let me give you one more illustration. Is there any young lady here, and this has happened to you? You walk past a building site, and the bricklayers, and the foreman, they look with their eyes at you. They gawp and they gaze. But there's one bricklayer, and his heart is for God. His eyes don't look in the same way as the other men's eyes look. He says hello, politely, to the young lady. You see the difference. One man, his eyes are driven by his heart and the lusts of the flesh. The other man is driven by the mind and what's good. And what's right? Where will you be driven tomorrow? Do you look with your eyes and the flesh? Or do you look with the mind? And the mind sends the brain signal to the eyes to look on what's good, to look to God, to look for help, to look to him. There's all the difference in the world between a Christian who looks to God and a person of the world who's driven by the flesh and the questions that come from Satan and the temptations to do what's wrong, they overwhelm you. And so the eyes don't look as they should. Well, let's look this morning. Chapter 20, 2 Chronicles. It came to pass, verse 1, that the children of Moab, the old enemies of the people of God, God's people, Moab, Ammon, and there were many others beside, a formidable army. King Jehoshaphat is a good king, the king of Judah. Well, he hears the dust storm is up in the sky. 
something's happening. There's a great, formidable army coming around Jerusalem. What are we going to do? The old enemies, they should have been put to death a long time ago. What will Jehoshaphat do? Well, go back two chapters to the beginning of chapter 18, and we find out what he did then. Now Jehoshaphat had riches, verse 1, and honor in abundance. He was a blessed man, and he joined affinity with Ahab, king of Israel, Judah, little Judah, two tribes, Israel, ten tribes, powerful. Well, Jehoshaphat made a terrible mistake. He made a league with Ahab, and it didn't end well. Look at the end of chapter 18, King Ahab. Some of you will know this. The mighty army of Syria comes up against them. You read it in verse 20. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, Fight ye not with small or great, only against the king of Israel. Ahab is slaughtered. He's killed at the end of chapter 18. You can read of his gory death. Jehoshaphat's on his own. He hasn't got his ally anymore. The one that he did put his trust in has now disappeared. Jehoshaphat's on his own. He's a solitary king. What will he do? Moab, Ammon, they come. There cometh a great multitude. Verse 2, chapter 20 a great multitude from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. A massed army. There's many of them. They're all around us. They're surrounding them. They're in for the kill. Oh, what will we do? Who are you going to look to, Jehoshaphat? Where's your help? You tried to make league with Ahab, but Ahab's gone. Will he be fearful and anxious? What are you going to do tomorrow morning when the enemy comes and the dust is lifting on the horizon and you start to look at them? There's so many. They're like grasshoppers for number. Maybe we get anxious. Well, what does Jehoshaphat do? Verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. Oh yes, he's frightened, but is it a good fear? There's good fear and there's bad fear. There's the fear that's of Satan who tempts me to despair. That's not the fear here. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He's going to pray. The first thing he does is pray. What will you do tomorrow morning? Will you pray? Children, will you pray? 
When you get into that new class, will you pray? Lord, help me. I would be your child. I would look to you. Well, three headings this morning as we look briefly at this narrative. The first heading is this. A surprising confidence in despair. This is 180 degrees opposite of what you would expect. When I despair, when I come to an end of myself, when I realize I've got no power, no confidence, no other helps that are worth turning to, do you know that's actually the beginning? That's the beginning of the Lord coming to you. Jehoshaphat, he makes a quick reflection. He's heard about the enemies. He sees the dust, the massed armies, the formidable army. And what does he do? He quickly does the numbers. Me. Them. Oh, what's the point? I've got no other helps. I need to turn to the Lord. He didn't do it before. He turned to Ahab. Fat lot of good he was against the mighty Syrian army. But this time, tomorrow, he turns to God. Jehoshaphat feared. He set himself to seek the Lord. It's conscious. It's intentional. Prayer doesn't just happen. It's a choice. A choice made to turn the eyes at God, to turn the heart to God, to look to him for help. And he does this because he's not going to do what he did before. He's utterly helpless this time. He's been here before, but he'll approach the situation differently this time. Do you know many pretend in this life to be happy? They foolishly muddle through, think they can cope. Something will turn up, usually does. That's not the attitude of the believer. The believer says, no, I'm not going to hope on something turning up. I'm going to ask God for help. I'm going to set myself to seek the Lord wherever I am. Remember, prayer isn't just going into the closet. Prayer is a conversation with your maker. It's drawing near to God when you need him. And he will come just when you need him. And Jehoshaphat feared. He sets himself to the Lord, that's the first thing. And now he's moved to take action. He proclaims a fast. He gets other people to pray. That's what we do as a church. Sometimes we have a need. Somebody has had a diagnosis of cancer. They've got to go for treatment. Let's pray. Let's gather together a special prayer meeting. Maybe we can't have a special prayer meeting. Please pray for that little girl 
who's going for an operation. Let's pray. That's just physical things. What about spiritual? We have a holiday Bible club. Let's pray. And we did. And the Lord answered. What about your needs? If you have them, do we share them? Do we communicate? He proclaims a fast throughout all Judah. He wants other people to look to the Lord. He wants other people to gather together, to come and seek the face of God. Verse 4, And Judah gathered themselves together. What for? To ask the help of the Lord. Oh, that's good, isn't it? We don't have any other help. We have the best help. The help of the God of heaven. We help of the one who wants to give help, but we don't ask for it. Judah gathers together to ask the help of the Lord. Even out of the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. They're going to have a prayer meeting. Sometimes we have prayer meetings. Some don't gather. They could, but they don't gather. Here, the situation is serious. Do you know every time we gather together, the situation is serious? Are you going to go through the week depending upon yourself, not praying? Is there somebody here, you've not had any time with God this morning? No prayer? No thought for the week? No looking to God for help? You're foolish. I'm foolish if I go to one day without seeking the help of the Lord. So they gather together. And there is a surprising confidence, do you know, in despair. Now they come to the depths so that they can rise to the heights. There's a surprising confidence when we feel helpless. Have you ever been there? You ever help found? There's no one else to turn to. Do you know that's God's doing? Ever you find yourself in that situation? I'm helpless, but I'm not hopeless, because I have hope in God, and I can draw near. Verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation, in the house of the Lord. He stands there. There's a huge company of people gathered together, and he gives his prayer to God pleading with him. The Apostle Paul knew that, didn't he? He was many times found in a desperate situation, shipwreck, in the sea, through two nights, 40 stripes, less one, many times. Oh, he was in a desperate situation, but what did he say? He had to learn and he could say it, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you know the strength of the believer is not in ourselves? 
Our greatest strength is when we are so weak we have no one else to turn to. We can only look to God. And so Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my weakness, my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you feel weak this morning? I do. Do you know to preach when you've not preached for a few weeks? You can't rely on your own strength anymore. If you go back to work, to a new school, you can't rely on habit, routine anymore. You've got to look to him afresh. You've got to ask for him to come and to help and to draw near. I remember when I was at school, we played rugby. We sometimes you'd be in the changing room getting ready and then the other team would arrive. Their coach would draw up and you'd see them getting off the coach, sometimes with the little ones first. And then there would be this enormous chap. You'd be looking up. And some of the small boys in the team, have you seen him? He's so big. And he's so wide, so deep. And then the coach would say, Ah, oh, don't worry about him. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Don't you worry about him. Just get him round the legs and he'll come tumbling down. Even if it needs two of you, they'll come down. The enemies, we look at them. We think they're so big. And the Lord says, don't look at the enemies. Look at me. Look to me. Humanism says, and your teachers at school will say, believe in yourself. No, don't do that. Believe in your weakness. Believe in your frailty. Believe in your great God. He's the one you look to. Despair shifts the gaze from here and here and there up to our God on high, to Christ who draws near in time of need, our only hope. Do you know they say that if you want to make a tree grow tall, what do you do? Chop the branches off, the lower branches. The other helps, and then that tree will grow up tall and high, heavenwards. When you're in the valley and there's mist, I got up early this morning and there was fog outside. There's no point looking in the fog. You look up, and through the fog is the mountain. We look up to the hills from whence cometh our help. Don't look down in the valley. Don't look in the fog and the mist and the gloom. Look up to him. He will draw near. Well, secondly, we've thought of the confidence, the surprising confidence in despair. But there needs to be some preparation. The people of God, they've gathered together. Jehoshaphat's called for a mass prayer meeting. They've come together 
And what are they going to do? It's all well and good praying. Shouldn't they be fighting? No, they pray. That's where their source of strength will be. And their help. They're not going to look to the Ahabs anymore. They won't look to foreign helps. They draw near to God. They ask for his help. What does the Lord do? There's an astonishing provision here. A man is raised up out of obscurity. His name is Jehaziel. Verse 14. Then, out of obscurity, Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite. He's a priest. He's one of the sons of Asaph, one of those that had duties. He was a singer, maybe a poet, maybe he played an instrument, and something like that. And look what happens. The Holy Spirit comes down in the midst of the congregation on one man. Through this one man there will be a message and God will tell the people, this is what I'm going to do. Jehaziel, his name means this. God sees. We need to be reminded of that often, don't we? God sees you in the night, when you can't sleep, when you're lonely. God sees. When you go to school, God sees. God knows the situation you're in. He knows the enemies. He knows how many chariots they've got. You don't need to count them. He knows how tall Goliath is. He sees. Jehaziel. Well, he comes with a message. The Holy Spirit moves in the Old Testament men to give the word of God. And here's an example of it. Jehaziel stands up in this big congregation, and he said, God's word, verse 15, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the king, oh, he might be a king, but the king has to listen to God, Jehoshaphat, and he does it gladly. Thus says the Lord, that lovely phrase that gives authority and power, Thus says the Lord unto you, here's the message. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. By reason of this great army and multitude, for the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. It's God's. Don't think you're going to fight. You can try. You won't succeed. No, you need to prepare yourself for the conflict ahead. We have teachers, I'm not mentioning them overly, but we have teachers. You've been to your classrooms, you've got ready, you've got prepared, you've put the new names up, the new tags, all the things that teachers do 
to prepare. Are we prepared for the battle that lies ahead? Are we prepared to make sure that nothing comes between us as a church? Nothing comes to break our fellowship. No words spoken. Nothing done. Are we prepared? Don't be afraid. The battle is the Lord's. Oh, what a wonderful message. Notice it's God's word. That's what gives us power. God's word that prepares us for the battle. It always is, it always was, it always will be. That's why we major on God's word in this church. That's what we teach children, teenagers, God's word. And here it comes down to them. Don't be afraid. God's word to prepare them for the battle. Notice it's a command. Secondly, be not afraid. If you are afraid, you're disobeying. If you look at the enemy, you're being disobedient. Don't be afraid, nor dismayed. And he says to them, look away. Take your gaze away from the enemy. Don't look at them. Look away from the massed army. The battle is the Lord's. He's going to fight. He's going to give the victory. He's going to come to you and help you. Fighting won't save you. Don't think you're strong enough. Salvation is of the Lord. It's God's. He's going to come to help. So we've thought of the confidence in despair, the preparation, turning to prayer, turning to God's word, looking to him, relying upon him, obeying his command, not to be afraid and fretful. Sometimes you hear people speaking. You find, as a pastor, people speak and 99% of the conversation that you're listening to is, oh, this and this and this, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and I... Stop. Look. Listen. Don't be anxious. Look to him. Well, thirdly, the victory... Once we've come to the end of ourself, once we've prepared for the battle, now the victory is certain, absolutely certain. Jehaziel says to them, verse 16, Tomorrow you go down. Notice they've got something to do. It's not much, but he says, Go ye down against them. You've got to go and stand in the right place. You've got to go and do your duty. You've got to obey. It's not much. You've got to be where you should be at the right time, with the right preparation in the right place. And they, the enemy, they'll come up on the cliff. And ye shall find them at the end of the river, the brook, They'll be in the wilderness like a, a swarm of grasshoppers. But verse 17, ye shall not need to fight in the battle. But there's something to do. 
You've got to set yourself. Don't not go to school. Don't not go to work. Don't not go to the prayer meeting. Don't not be where the Lord would have you to be. We have duties. We have responsibilities. It's our job. It's our task to be where God has put us. Set yourself. Be there. Go down against the enemies. Have courage. Be where you should be. But you won't need to fight. You won't need to fight in this battle. The Lord will do the fighting. He'll be there with you, for you. He'll come alongside you. Oh, do you know, just as panic can be contagious, so can courage. There's a terribly sad story of a huge church in central London and there was 10,000 people, maybe more, listening to the preacher and somebody shouted, Fire! Fire! Eight people were killed in the panic that night. Panic spread. But you know, courage can spread as well. That's what Jehoshaphat and Jehaziel are telling the people. Be courageous. Do you know I'm inspired so often and helped by seeing our elderly people, the ones that are always there, the ones that are in the right place at the right time, with the right attitude. We younger ones, if I can say that, we could learn from them the courage that they have. Ye shall not need to fight. But you know, I want to come down in a short time before we close to verse 20. I have a conviction this may be a verse for somebody this morning. What they're going to do the following morning is they're going to go down to the battlefield. This is nobody's to stay in their home or tent. They're to go down. Verse 20. They rose early in the morning. They did what they were told. There is faith in obedience. There is unbelief in staying away. No, the people are going to go forward in faith. They rose early in the morning. They went forth. They went forward into the wilderness of Tekoa, they went forth. Do you notice the emphasis? That's the second time. They went forth, and Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me! He's their leader. He's their king. Jehaziel has spoken, but now Jehoshaphat's going to speak. He's going to echo what God has said to Jehaziel, and he's going to repeat it and amplify it to the people. And he says to them, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And here's the key thing for us this morning. It's so simple. But there are people here this morning, you've not done it. You've waited. You've relied on other helps up until now. 
This is what Jehoshaphat says. Believe in the Lord your God. Have faith in him. Have faith in the one you can't see. Have faith as you stand in the battlefield. And don't look at the enemy. Don't look to your own strength or your own soldiers or your own weaponry. Believe in the Lord your God. Isn't it so simple? What is Christianity? It's about faith, but not faith in yourself. Not faith in your family. Not faith in who your father was, who your mother is, who you're related to. Have faith in God. Believe in the Lord your God. Go forward. Go forth. And believe in your God. And what will happen? Well, he says, you will be established. You'll be built up. Your life up until now has been about tearing down. It's been about disintegration. It's been about a dis a chaos, a, a disorder. But here Jehoshaphat says, no, believe in the Lord. And your life from this day forward, it will be established. There'll be firm foundations. You'll be building on Christ, upon his word, upon his truth. And your life will be built on him. You'll be established. People will see the growth. They'll see you've come out of yourself. You no longer keep yourself to yourself. You'll be established. There'll be life. There'll be battles and there'll be victory. Believe his prophets. Jehaziel was the prophet that spoke to them, but he's referring to others. Look at this wonderful promise. So, shall ye prosper? Is there anyone here that doesn't want to prosper? To be blessed, to succeed? Of course we do. We want to get on well. We want to grow, but the way we grow is we look away from ourselves, look away from the world. We believe in the Lord, believe in his word. We go forward. That's what they did. Verse 21, they appoint singers. It's astonishing, it's absurd. The people go and sing to the enemy. Ridiculous. They sing, The mercy of the Lord endures forever. How ridiculous. No, it's not. They're singing the word of God. They're believing in his word. They're worshipping God. They're worshipping the Lord in the beauty of holiness, it says here. Oh, isn't that lovely? That's what we do. We believe, we trust. We sing his word. We believe and say his word. Oh, let me ask this question in closing. Where are your eyes this morning? Where are you looking? Where are you looking for help? 
Whose eyes would you gaze at this morning? Look to him. Look to Christ. Put your faith in him, your trust. Believe his word. Believe in Christ as Savior and Lord. Exercise faith in him. And the victory is totally guaranteed because 2,000 years ago, everything that was necessary was already accomplished. Now all we have to do is obey, go into the battlefield, believe in the word, believe in Christ, and the battle is the Lord to defeat sin, to defeat all our enemies. And if that's what we do in faith, we shall be established and prosper. May the Lord help us in this coming months of autumn to do just that. Let's.